And welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. It's hard to believe that next year, in March, will be four years since I began doing podcasting. I remember the first podcast because I titled it after a Morrissey song, Every Day is Like Sunday. I didn't know that there, because I thought there was like a time limit, so I kept recording them. And then I started to do it sporadically, and then it became an everyday thing. It's, as Elvis Costello said about songwriting, it beats kicking the television and going to a shrink. And it does. That's why I podcast. That's why I breathe. Come on. The Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. For, it wasn't called that to begin with. It was called the Dr. Dr. Zeus Podcast. And then I started to just want to change things we all want to evolve and I thought I like talking about film and Jason Almy if shit happens when you party naked suggested that he says well you talk a lot about film and I thought yeah he's he's got a good head on his shoulders and speaking of he cut his hair so now he's got new hair interesting interesting I, yeah film is like strands of hair I know you're gonna laugh. They're like, you're like, where is he going with this? When I talk about film, you've got to understand the art form itself. It takes a lot to make a film. Now you can make it on your phone. And I'm sure Quentin Tarantino, if he went back in time, he still would have done it the way he did it. I'm always talking about Tarantino. And, and no, I'm not kissing his butt. Because I don't agree with everything that he does. I, uh, and he Morricone didn't agree with everything he did. But they worked together brilliantly. I know people who don't like Pulp Fiction, and that's fine. I know people who love Inglorious Bastards. The films of Quentin Tarantino hold up. Think about it. Next year will be the 30th anniversary of Reservoir Dogs. That That's a moment. That is truly a moment. I know people who don't like Tarantino. In fact, when I was working, and I, I don't know if I was still going to school, I knew someone who was going to teach a film class at my alma mater. And they said... You know, what films should I talk about? And I said, well, I know that you don't like Tarantino. And she's like, oh, I hate him. I said, yes, I understand that you don't like him. But your students, that's the first thing they're going to want to talk about. Whether you like him or not, he is a part of film culture. He redefined film he didn't go to film school like everyone else. He told stories in a non-linear type of way. Kind of like Nirvana. Not comparing. I mean, well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We all have the films that we like. We all have the films that some of us make fun of. Like the rom-coms. Just think of Matthew McConaughey. If he had continued to do rom-coms, he wouldn't have won an Oscar. Dallas Buyers Club is such a heartbreaking film. It's a heartbreaking film to watch. 
But the fact that he put that work in is astounding. And then Jared Leto, come on, playing Rayon. Woo! So whether you like it or not, that's what film, film, film is about transformations. Think about it. You started out as these Nickelodeons and these silent films and boom, right into sound. And then boom, you've got the studio system. And then what happens? Studio system dies. Thank God. And then something really crazy happens. It's called a rating system. People are saying fuck and shit. People are having sex in movies. And there's the devil in Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. The coven. Come on. And then you've got violence in The Godfather. One and two and three. But only one and two really matter. Apocalypse Now. Woo! Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets. And then boom. You get hit over the head with Taxi Driver. Jodie Foster. Come on. Come on. I've often said that what she did in Taxi Driver was gearing her up for the films that she would later do. She did some daring fucking films. Think about it. Uh, She did. What's that one? Because, you know, she went to school. And we're, we're not going to make this about Jodie Foster. Although Jodie Foster is a really great actress and a great filmmaker. And it always bothers me when people, before she even came out, oh, do you think she's a lesbian? And I wanted to say, why? Do you want to date her? People always want to know the sexuality of other people. And it's like, why? Why does it matter to you? Why? Does it matter to me? She's a damn good filmmaker damn good actress the accused she won her first oscar for the accused that's a gritty fucking film her character gets raped and then silence of the lambs the silence of the lambs is such a my god that's such a crazy film such a classic film such a great film 30 years ago that film came out Hello Clares <laughs> They both won Oscars for that And this is not just about the Oscars Sometimes the Oscars Do get it right And in that aspect Come on Think about that landslide 1992 The Silence of the Lambs Cleans up I mean sure Hannibal Lecter left a mess It is a bloody mess but it was a damn good one. And he ate his liver with some tongues and some father. I mean, come on, come on. Where am I going with this? There's golden age. There are two golden ages of film. And I've talked about this before. There's the first golden age of film, the beginning. And then what happens? The 70s. I wasn't alive yet. I was probably a decade away. I was, I was 1980. 1970 think about it you've got these filmmakers these independent filmmakers Martin Scorsese George Lucas Steven Spielberg and if we really want to get gritty some true independent mavericks 
John Cassavetes and his beautiful wife, Jenna Rollins, who made beautiful music together, made a family, but also made these films in their house. They financed them. That's fucking crazy. I would be remiss if I don't mention the late because you gotta understand also when it comes to film there is not a lot of diversity that changed Melvin Van Peebles who died in September at the age of 89 he was a filmmaker he was a playwright he was a novelist he was a composer his feature film debut The Story of a Three Day Pass was based on his own French language novel by La Primition and was shot in France. It was difficult for a black American director to get work at that time. The film won an award at the San Francisco International Film Festival, which gained him interest in the Hollywood studios. Okay? Leading to his American feature film debut, Watermelon Man, in 1970, skewing further overtones from Hollywood, he used the successes he had so far to bankroll his work as an independent filmmaker. In 1971, he released a best-known work, a creating starring in the film, Sweet, Sweet Bass, Badass Song, considered one of the earliest and best-regarded examples of black exploitation genre. He followed this up with the musical Don't Play Us Cheap, based on his own stage play and continued to make films with write novels and stage plays in English and in French. So that's a true maverick. Inclusion. Mario Van Peebles, the son of Melvin Van Peebles, knows all too well about that. These two maverick filmmakers. That's what film is about. Everyone being allowed at the table. And not and I shouldn't say allowed. Everyone can do what they want. A good film always has a good table scene. I've often said that uh, the color purple, that table scene is probably one of the most iconic for me moments in cinema. Because you have Danny Glover, you've got Whoopi Goldberg, you've got Oprah Winfrey. You got Radon Chong. They're all sitting, having it out at the table. And Margaret Avery. Come on. Sugar Avery. Yeah. That moment. Maybe I should play it for you. That's probably one of... I have... I, I When it comes to film moments, and I say that... Oh, it's 11-11, make a wish. I just made one. Uh... Think of the people in that scene. They're all duking it out. They're all having their say. Oprah's is probably the most iconic. This is before she was Oprah. Here she was, this this actress. And she has that moment. The dinner scene. Woo! 36 years ago. 36 years ago. Okay. 
I love this scene. This is a hard film to watch. The book is crazy. Here we go. It's going to be changing around here, too. I'm going with Shug. You going where? I'm going with Miss Celia and Shug. Because I'm fixing a thing. Too much racket going on around this house. Pass me them peas, yeah? Now listen, Squeak. No, my name ain't Squeak. What? My name is Mary Agnes. Mary what? <laughs> Mary Agnes. Mary Agnes. I See, I told you that's a moment, and dinner is served. And Seely served it up. She served it up. Now, I'm trying to remember. Ah, oh, here it goes. Here it goes. This is this is this is iconic. <laughs> <laughs> My God, the dead has arisen. I no bad Is an iconic moment. Don't, and I don't use that lightly, okay? 
that is a moment you will never forget. <sighs> My God. So, the color purple really changed everything. That film, that moment for me, think of think of what Oprah did in that moment first of all her talk show had just begun okay she would become she didn't need an Oscar I know she wanted the Oscar but she didn't need it look at what she became she became a mogul but that moment whether you win an award or not that solidifies your whole when you know when Oprah goes, it's going to be the talk show and it's going to be that moment. That moment in the color purple. That dinner scene. Oh, it's, it's so powerful. Think about that. And that's written by Alice Walker. Alice Walker didn't like the film at first. She didn't like the music. And then over time, regarded it. In a very in in such a way, I mean to to have your work up there on the big screen, told. I mean, the the book is so different from the film as always. But the color purple. I read the book. Ooh, that book, and the film. A, a little of it is watered down in terms of sexuality, in terms of the situations. But that dinner scene is epic. There are moments in that film that are raw. The fact that Steven Spielberg could make a film like that. He went from doing his blockbusters, Jaws. You know, uh, the, uh, was it a third third uh, not third kind yeah the alien film E.T. phone home and then to do the color purple all black cast yeah yep mm. takes my breath away it truly does and Whoopi, Whoopi, Whoopi is on the view now, so Whoopi's not hurting. Come on, I love Whoopi. I always have. I remember reading her book. She's so funny. She says stuff that piss people off. We all say things that piss people off. I know that I do. But to have your first film be the color purple, think about that. All thanks to Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Saw her one woman show and said, Want to go to Broadway? She's like, Yeah, right. So, if it weren't for Mike Nichols, this would have never happened. Her talent, yes, but to have someone like the late Mike Nichols believe in you, she was, it was not even an apprenticeship. She had the talent. 
And here comes Mike Nichols, this Academy Award-winning director who's got clout, but believes in this up-and-coming artist. He is so taken with Whoopi Goldberg. Karen Johnson, really. And then she became Whoopi Goldberg. And then, boom, color purple. She had written to Alice Walker because she had heard that book being read on the radio by Alice Walker in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, Berkeley, and wrote to her. And she talked about she was at her her mom's home and she received this purple envelope. And Alice Walker says, I know who you are. Trust me. She says, I don't have power of casting. Yeah. I wish we could talk more about the color purple. For me, film is endless. It's continuous. I love that now we're starting to go back to the film, uh, the theaters. It's it's different. It's a different beast. And and please don't knock people for wearing their masks. I wore my mask. Shit ain't over. Shit ain't over. Okay. So as always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>